Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Commander of OSI, Brigadier General Terry Bullard. Sir, it's so great to have you uh, as a participant now uh, on your first uh, podcast <laughs> interview. Welcome aboard. I know, Wayne, so I'm glad you're walking me through this. Uh, you know, I'm in very... Uh, I know I'm in sure hands in, in working through this, but I'm, I'm excited about this. I've, you know, I've loved, you know, followed the previous podcast. Very excited about where we're headed with this. So uh, I, I know you'll marshal me through, through it very, very well, and I'm looking forward to doing it with you. And uh, it's just really great to be here. So thanks. Great to have you, sir. It won't hurt a bit, believe me. Perfect. <laughs> sir, let's uh, dive into it, shall we, then? Uh, as uh, 2020 winds down, and for our listeners, uh, we're recording this on actually, uh, according to the calendar, the first day of winter, Yeah, which, which is <laughs> another milestone. Uh, as 2020 does wind down, sir, let's address the elephant that's been in the room since March. That, of course, is COVID-19, uh, which made this year uh, different from any other in OSI history, for that matter. Uh, now, from your perspective uh, as the commander, how has the pandemic shown the mettle of your command to adapt and overcome while still delivering the goods mission-wise? I mean, uh, the excellence has still been there throughout this trying time. I tell you what, and uh, and as we as we marched into it, you know, after the kickoff of the year, I don't think anybody knew you know what to expect, how long this would go, the the depth of the impact. Uh, you know, very early on, of course, we were still getting conflicting information on, you know, how to correct for it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the appropriate TTPs, the right, uh, the right protective equipment to wear. Right. Uh, so all of that was out there. And, of course, we're thinking through that, uh, you know, first and foremost was, you know, how do we get the command through this and, right, right. you know, and minimize sickness, minimize loss, uh, you know, and at that point, you know, of course, we were hearing just really the, the horrible, the, the most scary aspects of it. Uh, uh, so, you know, as we moved in, uh, we were very blessed in that we had a great uh, task force stand up here, had some phenomenal leadership here in sure, the headquarters sure. uh, that, that really took it and ran with it. And then just awesome field leadership uh, that, that responded, provided guidance, our you know, our region commanders, senior commanders, uh, you know, sitting down on a regular basis, multiple times a week, talking through the challenges and, and, and how they were attacking it and, mm-hmm. and learning from each other literally, you know, day to day. Yeah. Uh, on the front of this. Because I know as the command chief said, sir, excuse me for interrupting, but no. command chief uh, Byrne Flint said there was no manual on this no. to begin with. <laughs> exactly. so, so you had to do it on the fly. <laughs> That's right. I mean, every everything was learning. Everything was up there. But I'll tell you, t- specific to your question, um, you know, I think initially as we went into maximizing telework and we went into distance, uh, you, you know, having to work from a distance, only mm-hmm. come together, the natural questions came up, well, you know, how are we going to be able to continue the mission? What are we going to do when we have a crime scene? What are we going to do when we have a national security issue pop up? And I tell you, Wayne, I think as we were thinking through this, mm-hmm. the field was figuring it out. Oh, yeah. They were yeah. responding. They, you know, we have the type of agents, analysts, and pro staff that, you know, weren't going to sit back and wait or, you know, have something emerge and use it as an excuse for mission failure. They right. just weren't going to let that happen. Right. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, humbling, awe-inspiring to start watching, uh, you know, the first cases coming in. Right. Uh, and the first pictures of how we were, you know, even for the most simple crime scene, completely, you know, Tyvexing up and putting masks on. <laughs> right. um, how folks were, you know, innovating with shift work in the mm-hmm. office. How the connectivity for the network was terrible in those first couple of oh. weeks. And then the Air Force sprinted, you know, to really bring right. that back right. up. And now I look at, you know, how folks are connecting from home as opposed to when, when things first kicked off with COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's night and day. You know, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the ability to do that and then... Lots of lessons were learned. Uh, lots of lessons learned. And, and probably the biggest question I get on that front is, okay, well, what is, you know, what does normal look like when we come back out of this? And I, right. and I tell them, I'm like, gosh, I sure hope, you know, with all the people, you know, in OSI, e- even today, you know, our, we have agents and family members who, you know, sadly are 
are picking this thing up and you know having to deal with it or being exposed to folks who do have it right um you know we've been blessed uh in that we've had some really scary situations with members but very blessed from a health standpoint for employees we've lost family members right distant family members along the way which has just been tragic and horrible to hear but i tell folks i i have to believe that we will emerge from this a more efficient uh, command that was forced to take some risks, right. that was forced to experiment mm-hmm. uh, with things that uh, six months ago, I would, I would have told you know, eight months ago, I would have told you you were crazy. No <laughs> way we do that. No right. way we right. would try that. Yeah. Well, we had to. Yeah. And that, that has driven a lot of things that I think is, as the vaccine takes hold, as mm-hmm. the herd immunity kicks in and we finally get this, virus back on its heels, yeah. um, there are a lot of lessons learned we are going to take from this and that we are going to do in the future as part of uh, whatever that new normal practice is. Right. Um, and so that is probably, I think, one of the, you know, the best things that we can do for those that did get sick, for those that did lose family members along the way, mm-hmm. is not just revert back to business as usual. Yeah. Because this drove us to become a better agency, um, and and I would argue even a more innovative agency. Oh yeah, uh, because your we, people had to do we it. Had to. Yeah, we yeah. absolutely yeah. had to. So, uh, did it test the metal? It absolutely did. In my opinion, did this command and the people within it come through in flying colors? They absolutely did, um, and proved everything we've always talked about OSI agents being. OSI pro staffers being, OSI analysts being, and then some, uh, in that they were the ones. It was no magical policy from here. Um, It was no, you know, uh, one-shot directive that did it. It was folks getting out, just as Chief says, in this new time with no playbook whatsoever Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to get the mission done. And we did. No cases dropped, you know, no... No opportunities, uh, you know, lost. Um, we figured it out, and and it's just amazing, and and it was just wonderful to watch the stories coming in from the field. Oh yeah, and yet another creative <laughs> way that we get thought, got folks done. So could not be more proud of the command. Very very good, sir. Now let's uh, get into some specific areas that uh, you place some particular emphasis on uh, this past year. Uh, number one, uh, when you assume leadership uh, as the nineteenth commander. General of OSI, you coined the phrase, the OSI we need. Now, uh, given the progress uh, since you took the reins of the organization, uh, are we well on our way toward the OSI we need? Oh, I think so. Uh, so, I'd absolutely. So, uh, I, I absolutely, you know, have to go 100% honest here and say that I stole that um, from <laughs> Secretary uh, Wilson and General Goldfein, who at the time were working on, uh, you know, with our senior national level leadership on the Air Force that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had taken a look at the national defense strategy, just as all of their subordinate leaders, including us, had, and realizing that we had to change. Um, you know, coming out of these two decades um, in Iraq and Afghanistan, very Middle East, very uh, countering violent extremism right. um, focused, we had to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had already identified some of these big things, which was then very helpful for us as you know, as their subordinate leaders um, in what we were going to do. So it, it made perfect sense that. Um, I, so I got to uh, sit down for about three weeks before I took command. Uh, I had to step back from the the vice chair. Um, and sit down at the kitchen table and say, okay, so what does this mean for OSI? Right. You know, what is what is it when we talk about a change or we talk about a new national defense strategy? Mm-hmm. What is it that we're talking about? And so it allowed me to kind of sit and think through some of those things. And then, of course, getting back to those brilliant field leaders that we have, the brilliant, uh, you know, directors that we have here in the headquarters, had a lot of people to bounce those ideas off of and, and help hone and refine those. Right. And, and what really emerged was, okay, here are the things we have to do under the new national defense strategy um, to, again, as OSI has done throughout its history, you know, reorganize, refocus, uh, reshape uh, to make sure that we stay incredibly relevant 
to the department. And now I refer to the department because now we've got two services. Right, right, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a continuing you know, evolution that keeps uh, going. Another first, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, now now we're uh, you know now we're you know the uh, the investigative agency and counterintelligence force for the Air Force and the Space Force. Right, but, right. But we knew the you know the department was going to go through changes, so we identified those things right up front uh, that that we had to refocus on as we as we you know were not uh, you know we were not relieved of countering violent extremism across the world. We were not told, okay, now you get to leave the Middle East, now yeah. you get to leave Africa. No, in fact, you know for a while it was business as usual and and even some strengthening sure. in that area. Sure. Uh, but we knew that we were back into the era of uh, uh, peer and near-peer competition. Mm -hmm. uh, we know we are back in the nation-state to nation-state uh, aspect of uh, our work and what we have to do. Um, we knew that we had serious threats. Secretary Wilson, uh, you know, had grown tired and, and quite frankly, incredibly concerned uh, about the number of uh, uh, you know uh, losses of our technology yeah. uh, to uh, uh, you know cyber espionage sure. and 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 what that was doing to us and what it was going to do to the Air Force in mm -hmm. the future, we knew that the Air Force was not going to be able to fight the way it had over the past two decades in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, that main operating bases were not going to be the way we would operate in the future. But we had to pull lessons from everything that we had put together in Iraq and Afghanistan right, right. to inform what that was going to look like. So we knew we had to refocus counterintelligence, and, and that's the path we have we set with ourselves with the OSI we need. We, know, mm -hmm. we knew the department needed two big things. Number one, we've got to become part of the interagency game to protect our technology okay. uh, edge, our technological edge, mm -hmm. uh, to protect our new rapid acquisition uh, process that we've got to do uh, in this new uh, peer competition environment we find ourselves in, and we've got to get all the way back to protect the research and development that's going on, uh, to protect those new and emerging technologies that are just coming up faster and faster and, and being recognized yeah. more quickly yeah. and invested in at an earlier point. That's tough to stay ahead of the game when things change so fast. Well, it, it is. It, it absolutely is. And so that, that drove us. Now, we've got to get out from the bases, and we've got to get into these centers of research and development. We've got to get into these locations of rapid acquisition. Uh, you, you know, we had to make sure we strengthened our PJ brothers and sisters who were protecting that existing, uh, you know, critical and, technology. And for our, for our uh, uh, novice listeners to OSI, PJ is special projects. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we had to do all of these things, and we had to do them uh, quickly. Uh, and then, of course, we had to look at the way that the, the Air Force was going to fight in the future. And what did that mean from an OSI standpoint? How do we switch gears and come out of that insurgency and counterinsurgency mindset and environment on how we've been fighting, how we've been supporting the Air Force, and move to now this global view of agile combat employment? And, yeah. of course, your counterintelligence forces need to be there early, they need to be there often, and they need to... Uh, be established. Sure. Uh, and so, so we had to make arguments along those lines. We knew that that would then impact uh, what we were going to do, um, uh, how OSI was executing its criminal and fraud mission right. at the installation level. Yeah. Uh, so that, that drove uh, an ongoing dialogue there, one that we're in now and, mm -hmm. and working our way toward and, and absolutely seeing the change in that right. uh, has been fun to watch. And then embracing um, some some emerging truisms or emerging aspects of what I think will shape law enforcement and national security investigations in the future, and that's um, everything that we can we now know about detecting insider threats. Okay, uh, and you know the, the the ability to find those faster, uh, whether it's social sciences, whether it's the availability of data, a combination of the two. Um, but knowing that that will increasingly be a responsibility for us, mm -hmm. and then embracing some of the investigative enablers that are absolutely fundamentally going to change what we do. As much as um, you know, I tell folks, I said it's a it's a revolution as big as the fingerprint, uh, as big as DNA, uh, pen and paper. You know, to right, to right, investigative work. Right. 
Um, and that is data analytics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the ability to now have all of this information, all of this information. And there's a lot of it. Oh, <laughs> available to us. But, you know, how do you find it? How do you, uh, you know, perform the analysis on it? How do you get it to a point that it becomes effective in that investigative work? But it stands to revolutionize so much of human society overall, mm -hmm. but specifically how we do investigative work in the future. So, you know, harnessing that, harnessing, uh, uh, you know, biometrics and what we can do there. So there were just a number of areas that we needed to do. And, and am I seeing progress in all of those areas? Absolutely. You know, and uh, and it's exciting to see the changes and um, you know what's going to be what's going to be out there, what's going to be coming in the in the years that we will see. Right now, the foundation for each of those things is being built. So I, I joke with folks all the time: if there was a way that I could retire, turn right around, and come back in as a lieutenant or a young agent again, I would absolutely <laughs> do it. Wow! So so uh, I guess it's a fair statement to say, General, that. Uh, uh, the OSI we need is a continuing work in progress. It will be. It will be. And I think, uh, and we can't, um, you know, I, while it is a, uh, uh, how's the best way to put it, while it is a, uh, um, uh, it, is the, it is the trip, not the destination. There right? you go. Um, and there we, you will, go. we will not, uh, and I don't think we can be satisfied with merely, you know, that we have culminated, that, that we are there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think so there really will, is no finish line, I guess. Then. No, no. I think we will get these major building blocks in place and then completely contemporary to the world we find ourselves in today, you know, there will be advances every three months, every six months, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. we will get better and better and we will get faster and faster. Right. We will exercise more with how the Air Force will fight in the future. We mm -hmm. will do more things to counter the adversary in the technology protection and acquisition side of the house. And we will learn and we will roll that back into our best practices, back into our doctrine, back into our instructions. And so we'll improve. So really from, I think, this leadership team's perspective, the, you know, from the top four here down to our region commanders and the senior levels across the command, we realize that we are merely laying the foundation blocks of all of these things, you know, getting the resourcing, uh, the, the manpower, the things that we need to do and getting the first glimpses of doctrine and instruction in place right. to what's going to be an amazing journey for this command over the over the over the decades to yeah. come. Yeah. Um, future definitely has uh, some exciting times ahead. It does. About that. It does. General, uh, a familiar phrase that the military has heard of uh, in the past is the possibility of quote doing more with less. Uh, unquote, with regard to Manning. Now, I understand 2020 did bring some good news for OSI in that regard. Uh, can you fill our listeners in as to uh, what OSI is looking at to uh, fortify its Manning down the road? Absolutely. So so with all the challenges that 2020 brought, um, <laughs> uh, we were very blessed. Uh, in, in everything that I just talked about, of course, every bit of that um, you know, has to come with some discussion on, well, do we have the people to do it with? Right. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, I, I don't think any of us subscribe anymore to doing, you know, to doing more with less. Uh, I think you end up, uh, you, you hope to break even with what you have, or right. you end up doing less with less. Right. Uh, I mean, right. and, and that's just the reality. You can't change the laws of physics. Uh, well, no, no. <laughs> or, or you stretch yourself too far, right. and, and you, you potentially fall right. on the face. So right. we knew, uh, and we put together, we put together these arguments that, that we just talked about, you know, in a very, um, and I think a very persuasive, cogent way that linked directly to the national defense strategy. And then we had incredible advocates. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I cannot say enough about Lieutenant General Saeed, uh, the Inspector General of the Air Force, right. uh, who is our oversight function and just day to day is our partner uh, in realizing, you know, where OSI needs to go. Sure. Uh, we've had two uh, incredible uh, chiefs of staff of the Air Force, both um, who had made their way through um, as the um, uh, Combined Forces Air Component Commanders uh, out in the desert. So right. uh, new OSI at the very tip of the spear and what that looked like, what we brought sure. uh, to them. Uh, and then we've had two very visionary secretaries and Secretary Wilson and Secretary Barrett. Uh, so all of those, the right people in the right place at the right time to have this discussion with ended up with an incredible lean-in of resources for the command. 
Um, but I tell you, what's important here is it's not just the resources that we've received. It was the right breakout of mm-hmm. those resources. And I would argue even something that, you know, just as we said, will change as sure. we move forward. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll move some into different areas and others as, as the command needs to as we find ourselves in, in different points right. in the future with different sure. challenges. But uh, those increases certainly came. Uh, we, we, over the two um, uh, acquisition for resource cycles okay. uh, at the Pentagon, uh, we successfully lobbied and were able to get uh, more agents uh, in our officer enlisted and civilian mm-hmm. categories, which is fantastic. It's great to get it across the board. Like well, and, and it is very good to get it across the board and very important and got it in the level of strength, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I think we need in each of those areas. But just as importantly, uh, increase in our analytical core. You know, our, our analysts, this had been an area for the command. We were just, um, you know, we, we were far behind. We've known for a while. We've, you know, we've been working and, but this was really, the Air Force did a great job of uh, springing us forward to catch up uh, with some of those needs. So I, mm-hmm. I put these, you know, incredibly talented, brilliant analysts. Um, then we roll in the data analytics capability and access to those tools that they will have. And it is a powerful combination. But, right. you know, and that brought with it uh, professionalizing that core, instituting a career development path and beginning to watch uh, how we're going to do that. So a young analyst comes into OSI and he or she can see themselves in the future and the leadership positions that we're opening up for right, them, right. the international opportunities, um, right. liaison to other organization opportunities mm-hmm. that we're seeing. Uh, moving more down into the field level. So, you know, that's fantastic. But then growing in other areas with experts like uh, data engineers, hmm. you know, people that we need to actually speak the language of right, code, right. Uh, folks with cyber backgrounds, um, international affairs specialists. Um, for so long, we've had, you know, we've had our, our agents and, you know, and uh, pro staff members uh, have to become jacks of all trades, right? You know, right. You, you move in, you get brought to headquarters, and we put you in a place. And but you know, we've we've progressed so far now that we absolutely need people who have lived in the international affairs, international relations realm for a while to move our partner engagement forward. Mm-hmm. We need those data engineers to be able to speak the language of data analytics. That yeah. when when yeah. I come in as a you know, as a digital immigrant and then some, <laughs> you know, and say, this is what I need. You know, those folks that can transition that into uh, the appropriate algorithms and language that produces those outcomes mm-hmm. for the agents and for the analysts. Yeah. And then finally, uh, finally getting uh, ourselves plussed up in our professional staff uh, in a number of places uh, out in the field and here at headquarters. Uh, who are absolutely the folks who are getting it done for the command every single day. Again, our, our novice listeners, uh, professional staff within OSI are a lot of the, the behind-the-scenes folks absolutely. Who, who really make things happen for the folks who are in the field. Our financiers, our yeah. personnelists, our logisticians, I mean, uh, our IT specialists, and, and, and I could go on and on and on, but all of those folks who absolutely you know keep the communications line open, uh, do everything they can to take care of, you know, individual personnel's issues, challenges, needs to right. allow them to stay focused on the job. Um, not where we want to be yet, but uh, uh, I'm excited about the, uh, you know, the growth across and in the right places for the command. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they will now have the total numbers to be able to move that workforce and adjust it as needed as they as they make their way into the future. Sounds great, General. Uh, next up, sir, the, near the end of 2019, uh, you instituted your 2020 Strategic Communications Plan, uh, which is designed to leverage all the necessary communication platforms to build on successes, focus on efforts, and help execute and augment the 2018 OSI Strategic Plan and uh, the OSI we need, as we uh, mentioned a little earlier. Uh, Sir, how far has the Stratcom plan come to uh, fruition since the start of 2020? Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, night and day doesn't even do it justice, <laughs> I, I would say. So, in, you know, in the in the big, very visible ways, I mean, you know, look at us, Wayne. We're sitting here now doing an OSI podcast. A year ago, we wouldn't have done this. No, no. Not, you, know, wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't have done that. 
but it's been fun to, uh, uh, you know, just really pull the reins off the PA team and say, just, just get creative, you know, when we've had some. So, you know, to be able to do things like that, to be able to have uh, folks like, uh, you know, uh, Major Womble and Major Bergstein, right, right. Uh, you know, come in from a social media perspective. We knew we needed to uh, change, update, you know, move, move forward with our social media platforms. And so we've had, you know, two, you know, two just wonderful people come in uh, who took every bit of limited vision we had, breathed life into it, and took it so much further. Right. You know, so now to look at our presence and to look back a year ago, uh, you know, and it's so funny because at first as we started to tip our, you know, put our put our toe into this water, you know, of course all of us uh, old timers who, you know, concerned about, uh, you know, OPSEC and information, right, uh, right. you know, and, and what we do there, uh, even even for me, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, are, are we doing the right thing? But then COVID hit. And we had had our platforms up long enough and had them established that that became one of the key ways that Chief and I were able to communicate in some of those early days uh, with a lot of the big changes that were going on across the command. Those Facebook town halls, I think, are still the most you know, viewed, engaged mm-hmm. that we've had, mm-hmm. you know, and, and certainly sure. we've normed out and hit that. But it was a way for us to be able to communicate not only to the, the members of the command at the time, but to, you know, our, our OSI retired community who stay so close to us, follow yep. us closely, yep. uh, you know, our, our retired personnel, uh, you know, that, that want to know what's going on. And then probably the most important, it gave our family members you know, especially those who were deployed or their their loved ones were TDY doing things. And it gave them the ability to do that. So it, 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 it was, it, it facilitated things that we didn't even see coming. Um, but it absolutely did that. So, so now as I look about what we're doing on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, and knowing that right now, you you know, we're again, building that foundation that, you know, future teams are going to come in yeah. and just take to the next level and the next level and oh, the next sure, level. Sure. Um, and it's going to be exciting to watch and, and how we communicate with them. Um, but I'll tell you, some of the ways I don't think are as, is quite as clear to the field. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't until I think that we arrived here, and I say we as the, as the top four, um, it, you know, that we realized the the age that we are in, in engagement with the media, in engagement with um, uh, those families or uh, people outside of investigations, but tied to them in mm. some way, yeah. and how important that's become, how critical information flow is, because now it's so much, uh, it's so much easier, it's so much more available, and it sets that expectation. Um, and so I'm so proud of uh, you and Linda, uh, you know, from a from the, the traditional PA standpoint and how we're now moving in engagement with the media oh, yeah. uh, in, yeah. in, a, in a different direction than we have in the past. Uh, number one, you know, because we I think we have to, you, you know, we you know, it's it, it is just uh, an expectation of the time but also because I think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing to do for the agency. It's the right thing to do for the department. It's the right thing to do for the public, you know, and, and striking that right balance of what is it we're trying to communicate about what has happened in an event and, and what we have, put that into a greater context of the military investigative side of things. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, um, so it's been fun to watch even from the, the traditional uh, you know, media relationships that we have, uh, how you guys have fundamentally switched a gear on that, changed it, and how conversational that is amongst us all very quickly. Oh, yeah. Knowing the importance of a word oh. uh, and the importance and the yes. timing yeah. of an engagement. Yeah. Uh, it's so, become a much more, I think, a bigger part of OSI's uh, just daily vernacular 
uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, you said communication yeah. uh, with the media, uh, our local audiences, international audiences, uh, they all tie in, you know, whether it's website, podcast, uh, media uh, queries, things like this. Uh, OSI has uh, really gotten its, uh, its, its three letters out there, that's for sure. Well, and, and that's it. And I, you know, and I, and I, and I think, you know, and, it, and it's, it, you know, and it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a branding thing anymore you know and, and and never was it's it's an expectation it, it's what the i think a transparent democratic american public expects of its government agencies mm-hmm. uh, and there's a way to balance that with the you know natural opsec you know um national security aspect of right. what we do right. Um, it, you know, and I, I think we, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we go to the nth degree to strike that balance and do those things, but then an expectation of our force, right? I mean, right, I, I right. think, uh, you know, we now have a, you know, we, speaking of, uh, digital immigrants like me, we have, <laughs> we have digital agents who are coming of age in the command yeah. and they expect to know what's going on in their command. They yeah. expect to know when they, they expect to, you know, know it on more than a, you know, a quarterly or two time a year or, you know, just via email. They expect to have it on demand. They expect to see those things. And quite frankly, you know, we want to maintain and keep that talent, uh, keep those folks who are hungry for information in the command. Right. And this becomes... They're the ones who grew up with it. Well, and that's it. Who, Who now, you know, don't don't, you know, don't uh, sit back and aren't comfortable with, well, we'll tell you when you need to know, you know, or, or just, you know, have faith that you'll, yeah. no, we, you know, we want to be, you know, open and communicating with them as well. So now the incredible part of watching, you know, what you and Linda and, and uh, the, the PA team do is, is you know, and, and the CAG and everybody who takes part in that as right, well right. is the balancing of all of those audiences, you know, and, and how do you, how do you communicate with all of them? And somehow you guys managed to do it. We, we do it across the elements of our strategic communication plan. We now have a places where we can see, hey, we're doing well in this area. Eh, we're falling a little bit behind in this mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to up our game here a little bit. We now have those measures. We now have that dialogue going, right. uh, you know, among us and within the command. So, again, exciting to see where we are and where we're going to head. That's right. It's a, we're now uh, being able to quantify what we do, which right. is good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. General, in uh, September of 2019, you rolled out the uh, OSI Diversity and Inclusion Strategy by signing the command's DNI Charter, which established a specific DNI vision, uh, its mission, and the goals. How is OSI progressing toward attaining those goals uh, set for itself? So I think there's two two lines of discussion here. There is absolutely moving from uh, the charter, um, it, you know, and it, and it started back with... Um, uh, I think Colonel Stabler is our previous commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it absolutely started with you know with him and his vision for uh, a diversity plus inclusion officer who we now have in right. Miss Dixon, one yep. of your previous guests. There we go. Um, it, you know, and uh, it, you know, so hitting that element, and then making sure that we you know had the right surrounding group for her you know, to move projects forward in the council. And so I was, it was such an honor to watch the work up for that begin under, under Colonel Stabler. And then, you know, such an honor for me to be able to, to, to sign it as I came on and, and institutionalized the group uh, and, and that council mm-hmm. within the command, but then to watch Ms. Dixon then breathe life into it. Right. Uh, and then from that, uh, the, you know, action plan emerged the things that we thought as a command, uh, you know, that we should be looking at, we should be tackling. So literally that's all happening. And then we have the George Floyd tragedy happen. And we have the national discussion begin. Uh, Not only, you know, not only focused just on, you know, race and law enforcement, um, but the larger discussion of, you know, equality and, and where yeah. are we in this journey as a nation yeah. uh, and all of that dialogue that started. And I tell you, i again, so pleased that we had Miss Dixon. We had our council in place. Uh, that then informed some of the tweaking of that action plan, mm-hmm. actually, as that dialogue was going on. <clears throat> and then the absolute heroes. Uh, that we had emerge in uh, Miss Dixon, in Chief Byrne Flint, 
uh, in several of our, our region commanders, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Colonel Henderson, Colonel Tilo, right. uh, you know, come to mind, who, you know, who stepped up and began to lead some of those tough conversations um, that we needed to have within the command, you know, because we're sitting as a law enforcement agency, we're sitting as a military organization, right. uh, as a you know national security member of the intelligence community, all with these themes of you know race and equality and, and gender and yeah. all of these aspects, and of course we're a command who has historically loved a diverse workforce because of the very nature of the work that we do. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the number of environments we operate in, the value that we've put on language and culture, um, and, you know, and how far that had already come along. Mm-hmm. But we needed to have those conversations. So these, you know, the 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 council and Ms. Dixon and our, you know, our, our leader heroes who stepped up in this, um, you know, and who propelled these conversations forward, who presented an avenue for these ideas to emerge. And then Ms. Dixon, you know, being there for each of these conversations, being able to pull that in, move that back into uh, informing the council and helping that, you know, set the action plan in place. Yeah. And so as we get into the new year, uh, I'm excited about starting to get the updates mm-hmm. on, you know, hey, we've we brought it all the way to the action plan. We set our individual groups and leaders for each of those things that we were going to look at within the command. Uh, and then Miss Dixon and, and Colonel Knuckles, uh, you know, who has been all over this, right. uh, it, you know, and a, a huge proponent and advocate and someone for Miss Dixon who, you know, absolutely took both of our needs and, and, <laughs> and worked it within the command. Right. Uh, but we will begin to get updated on how we're doing. And, and then not only getting updates up here, not only getting updates as a senior leadership, but I'm looking forward to then updating the field in each of those areas. So you start quantifying exactly. that area. Yeah. You know, to, to be able to say, okay, here's, you know, what we've done in, in taking a look at uh, recruiting. Here's what we've done in taking a look at our own policies, mm-hmm. you know, some of these things. And it's amazing, uh, you know, once you step back and start looking at uh, those things through that lens, uh, how some of the things we took for granted. Right. And, and it's fun watching our efforts parallel what the department's doing, what Secretary Barrett uh, and General Brown have set for us and you know what's happening at that stage and how we're plugged in and, and part sure. of that conversation yeah. and then working through that in our context. So suffice it to say, if it's not coming across now, I'm very excited on this point uh, and very excited that you know, we're, we're going to go into the new year talking about some tangible things being done uh, as a result of, you know, all of the, you know, of, an, uh, of a great vision uh, coupled with, you know, a horrible tragedy and a loss of life, um, but then how that's been worked into a very positive way forward for the command. Right. And it's all of those folks uh, that, that, I, that I mentioned through the conversation and many that I haven't yeah. who are absolutely working our way forward on that. Yeah. Tip of the cap to all those folks. Outstanding job, as you mentioned. Yeah. General, uh, you've always been a proponent of balancing one's job with one's off-duty activities as a way of relieving stressors, especially in a demanding profession, like you said, OSI. Uh, in your opinion, how is that important balancing act amplified during the, the holiday season that we're in now, coupled with COVID, of course? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, so right, going to the holiday season with, you know, COVID on top of that and, you know, all the change we've got going on around the command. Uh, and, and literally what I would say is up until this point, you know, all the things that we've talked about, the, the, the large lift and changing that we've had to do around the command, and that's, you know, from the headquarters all the way down to the, the field detachments mm-hmm. and the things we've had to do there, um, you know, uh, coupled with COVID, coupled with that national debate discussion that we've been having. It's made for a pretty busy, pretty, uh, pretty tumultuous, pretty eventful 2020, right? Yes, it has. Um, and again, this is where, you know, thank goodness for, you know, visionary leaders who have come before us, visionary leaders on the staff now. Um, uh, you know, um, I, again, I heap a ton of praise on Chief Byrne Flint uh, for our initial sit down and discussion on uh, our DO 300, our developing right. our right. 300 program. 
that went all the way back to you know General Goldfein having his first stand down day as we saw the suicide rate rising yeah. Yeah. Uh, across the Air Force, which is just you know, and and we sit unfortunately on the front row of that discussion because right, we right. we engage uh, you know on on many of them, certainly all of them right. from the active duty side. And so to say that, okay, we, we love that stand-down day, we love that, uh, you know, engagement, but now how do we take that forward into a profession where not only are we seeing this, uh, but the other stressors are weighing on us uh, as well. And then layer in all the other things that emerged right, uh, after right. that. So I was so glad when, you know, we stood up that, you know, developing our 300 program and we stood up DO 300 and we said, Okay, you got four four to eight hours a month, you know that. Hey, I'm 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 saying go go do, but we're not going to assign PowerPoint slides to it. We're not going to give it structure. We're not going to tell you that you're going to cover this training block, that training block. You know your unit better than we do. You know your you know your unit's particular needs. You know where they are. You know the discussion they need to have. Maybe the tough discussion they need to have. You know the team building that needs to occur. You know that the stressful past few weeks that we that you've been under, mm-hmm. and maybe you just need to go do something and blow off steam. And there's where that innovation comes in, perhaps. Well, and that's it exactly. You know, now now watching folks creatively figure out, and then of course COVID hit, and we <laughs> we had to do some things virtually, or we had to do some things socially distance, or right. we had to take you know activities that we would have normally do and transition into other activities, which even in some cases turned out to be helping cases for those yeah, that, yeah. you know that, that were struggling with COVID. Sure. But so uh, you know, I was very excited about that. Then very excited about uh, the True North uh, program, the Air Force's larger program, and the fact that this year we will start to bring on some additional um, um, uh, mental health professionals, uh, you know, for all of our teammates to be able to tap into. Yeah. Uh, we have been blessed with a hero in Doc Swank for a while, a huge hero in Doc Swank. Um, she was also one of our guests, uh, and exactly. And so <laughs> she's, uh, you know, she's been, the, as I call her affectionately, my my one legged woman in a butt kicking <laughs> contest for a long time now. Uh, so now we're we're finally going to be able to get some folks out there to help her, you know, to to engage more, uh, to do those things. And so I'm very excited about that. But specifically to your question on what does it mean for the holidays. I go back to something that uh, Chief Byrne Flint was the first one to educate me on, which is um, uh, work-life harmony instead of work-life balance. This profession, it's almost impossible Mm -hmm. to get a work-life balance. So we have to strike a harmony. We We have to pay into the life part of that equation when we can. Right. Sometimes that's leaving work at two o'clock in the afternoon to go to you know one uh, you know uh, somebody's play, somebody's ball game, somebody's uh, you know recital, uh, you, you know some some special function. Sometimes that's taken off early for a birthday party. Uh, sometimes that might be coming in a little bit late, you know, uh, taking that time. The holidays to me uh, are one of those times that you get to pay into that that part of the harmony, you get to pay into that bank. That hopefully, and for the listeners, that's wood. That's I'm wood. knocking on it. <laughs> um, you know, as many of us get as quiet a time as possible to go build those memories with family, you know, to go celebrate the holidays, celebrate the quiet time, do those things that we can do, um, and take advantage of it. Um, to be able to, you know, invest in, um, you know, our families, our loved ones, uh, even if it's virtually reaching out at this mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. just taking a knee, uh, you know, reading something that we wouldn't normally read, you know, catching up on some things that we wouldn't, that we haven't already done. Uh, and I think I have watched too many people use this holiday period as catch-up time, only to realize that come January 4th, Games back on again. That's you, right. you know the motors running yeah. and it's a hundred percent, and we miss that opportunity. I'm saying we. I'm pointing two <laughs> thumbs back at myself. Sometimes have missed that opportunity to take full advantage, or as much as this job will allow us to do during this time, take a knee, enjoy those around you, uh, recharge that battery. Uh, because trust me, whether we want it to or not, January is going to hit. 
the holidays are going to end and we're going to be right back into the sprint again. So it's so it's not only okay to do it, but it's important to do it's it. It's important to do it. It is it is a it is a part of that investing in ourselves. Um, you know, we I think we collectively as an as the OSI family spend so much time helping those around us, helping those victims of crime, helping those commanders who were mm-hmm. in a big conundrum, you know, we are always uh, giving of ourselves, pushing ourselves, uh, you know, committing to the mission, yeah. knowing that we are not a nine to five job, never have been, never will be, um, that we don't often get time to be able to take care of ourselves, to reinvest in ourselves and reinvest in those family members who are the most patient and understanding people on this planet right. uh, that we collectively pursue this profession and they work in life around it. Yeah. Now is a couple of weeks when maybe you can let them, you know, be the forefront and be at the center of everything. And if you have to work in work, work in a little bit around it. Right. But don't miss the opportunity to put them at the center of it for a while. That's right. Because, yeah. uh, you know, once, once that time is gone, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And like I say, January hits and I've, <laughs> I've, I've done it now 28 times, you know, and, and it's, uh, it, you know, and, and everybody comes out of the gate and everybody's like, well, where's everybody been for two weeks? And those yeah. first few weeks yeah. are just absolutely busy. So my, my, my counsel to everybody would be enjoy it while you got it. Very good, sir. General, as we're about to flip the calendar to 2021, uh, let's talk a bit uh, uh, about what's in store for the command next year. Uh, what do you see on the horizon that OSI can look forward to experiencing? Uh, hopefully, uh, well, hopefully, number one thing is no longer with us will be COVID-19. <laughs> but, but other than that... Exactly. Uh, a, a successful vaccine rollout, successful results <laughs> coming from that, right, and, right. And, and absolutely knocking this thing back on its heels is, is, you know, first, I know on everybody's mind, certainly on mine, uh, and as we watch the numbers right now, you know, I am concerned about the numbers around the command, so... I am, uh, I am the biggest cheerleader for the vaccine I think there is out there right now uh, because I just don't want to see any, any more of our folks sure. get sick. I don't, I don't sure. want to see any more put in jeopardy. But holy cow, where would I start? You know, yeah. you know we've talked about all these changes, all these things occurring, um, and there are a number of things that I, I'm looking forward to. And there's no way we would have to do a completely separate podcast right, on that right. thing. But uh, here, here's, my, here's my short list. Here's my Santa's list for there next year okay. and, and what we're looking for. <laughs> And I will tell you, I, I'm excited we will begin to breathe life into our national security detachments. As we talked about those those first offices opening up in that technology protection front and mm-hmm. fight with the interagency. Right. You know, this is going to be one of the main centers of gravity on how we're going to do it. And those units have been opened on paper. We have, you know, names beginning to show up against billet numbers. But I think in 21, we're going to see, you know, the first steps, the first uh, inklings of what those things will look like and mm-hmm. uh, matching, hopefully, the vision that we had for them. But then, of course, like so many other things, far outpacing or showing us ways to do things right. in a different way we're not sure. even thinking about yet. The beta test of Orion, the replacement for I2MS. Um, you know, very excited about seeing. Now, now, as far as our, our again, our uh, first-time listeners, uh, uh, could you just kind of give us a, a broad brush about what I two M S? Absolutely. Is? So, I two M S, our case management system, our current case management system, the thing that is the uh, uh, the center of all things, the center of all information that that comes in, uh, which has been a long-standing great product for us for a long time in this command, still benchmarked by others in yeah, the industry. Yeah. Uh, but we are now at a point where we're ready to evolve to our next system, which is the Orion mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gone from calling this a case management system to a case enabling system. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, starting to build that, that system uh, that will incorporate all of the things we've talked about, you know, the ability to pull in, uh, pull in that data. Uh, the ability to one day build in an AI background that as we're putting information into the system, it's anticipating uh, mm-hmm. what we may want, uh, offering up places it can go search. Right. Uh, it's making an analyst life easier, an agent's life, life easier, uh, you know, certain members of the pro staff's life easier uh, in the way that it can produce information uh, at a faster rate, that it can bring more things together that currently I2MS just doesn't have the ability to do. 
Um, so I'm excited about seeing the first beta test for that. Now I have to manage expectations. Everybody thinks we're just going <laughs> to roll out this new this new Cadillac all in one piece. You have to kind of crawl before you can walk. I, I would say we're we're going to get the we're going to get the chassis and the wheels out okay. first. You know, and and it's you know, and but um, uh, Dr. Sunderbrook, our our executive director, explains this very well. We're building it just like we're building modern weapon systems now with open racks. And open racks knowing that one day we're going to slide in an advanced technology, machine learning, AI, you know, other things that are going to just allow the system to grow and grow and grow and evolve as we need it to. So it's going to be different than our earlier system, Cactus, that I grew up with, I2MS, the current system, in that as we launch it, it'll be in smaller parts and it will build on itself. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a feedback loop in there. Uh, from the field on what's working, what's not along right, the way. Right. So I'm excited about seeing the first iteration that those wheels and chassis come out and, <laughs> and you know, and, and see good. what that looks like. Um, we finally are going to have uh, the requirements set for our new weapon. And that's usually the biggest question that I get now. <laughs> when are we going to see, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the M11 finally retired to go? Uh, well, after a lot of starts and stops, after a lot of, uh, you know, hope in systems, and then unfortunately those systems not panning out to be what we needed. Uh, we are now back on track with the new requirement uh, that is finally getting out of uh, the, the Pentagon uh, before the end of the new year, and so we'll go into the next level of evaluation, uh, the next level of fulfilling that requirement. Right. So I'm excited to see how quickly we can move that. Um, and uh, trust me, the the whole team is behind that. So and I, I know for uh, for a lot of our listeners, that's you know <laughs> they'll, they'll be very interested. Very in that. good. Uh, we're hiring the new uh, the next um, uh, investigative and indexing specialist out into the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this next twenty uh, will come on this year. We'll see those hired. We'll then have a majority out in the uh, 66 locations that we had set out to do over a three-year period. And these are game changers. Uh, these, these personnel are game changers at each of their detachments because they are going to take on the investigate, the uh, indexing, uh, which is so complicated, uh, yeah. you know, so tough yeah. and is only going to get more so as mm-hmm. we move into the future. But they are also going to... Um, uh, they are also going to take over programs like our weapons programs and evidence programs and things. So in other words, they're going to let agents be able to step back from being program managers and just be agents again. Let our wow. pro staffers step back from those programs and do the things that we need them to do from an administrative, a personnel, you know, those type things. Sounds like a win-win. At the unit level, it's going to be great. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited about those <laughs> folks. I'd, I, I get a little giddy on them. Go. We're going to see deeper integration with the Space Force. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, looking forward to what the new partnership uh, at the installation level looks like on the fraud standpoint and investigative standpoint, part of that reorganization. Right, right. What does OSI uh, need to do in the future? What does security forces investigations need to do in the future? But making sure that we do that in a partnered way moving forward so as not to create gaps and seams. So right, right. very excited about that. We've talked about the DNI Council and the things we're going to see on right. that point. Um, uh, our new protective service details. Uh, we've gone through the reorganization. Uh, we've been promised our 54 security forces defenders to finally man those details at the right way. And so we'll begin to see those folks come on board and begin to flesh out those, uh, those protective service details in the way that we've wanted to see them right. uh, you know, historically for right. years. Uh, we'll finally get to be there. Um, we're going to see more exercising of the way Air Force, uh, the way OSI, will support the Air Force and Space Force and how we fight in the future. Hmm. We're going to see more agents participating in these exercises, which is going to inform the doctrine that we're writing right now. Uh, and it's going to be fun to see over a year how far we get in building out what that looks like in the future and getting ourselves into wargaming discussions and right, things right. along those lines. Right. So very excited about that. Um, we're going to uh, more fully man our uh, Directorate of Partner Engagement uh, get them up and running. Very excited about what that holds for the future. Very excited about uh, we're going to have our first um, uh, force development organization open up here. 
Uh, we've traditionally had our, our uh, organizational development function, which has been huge for this command. Sure. It was a, was a brilliance noted years ago. Now that force development uh, side coming along to manage uh, our folks from recruiting to how do we develop them to how do we better posture them to be, um, you know, great specialists, great leaders in the command, you know, growing up as we go through, mm-hmm. um, you know, nurturing that all along the way, really that talent management um, that we've wanted for a long, long time, uh, beginning to stand up and do right. that. Um, and then, uh, I, I, again, I could go on and on, right. but we're going to see more agents come into our procurement fraud offices and then become part of our national security detachments. Very excited about that model. Our, our PFers, our, our, our um, uh, fraud pros now being viewed as elements of national security, not just good order and discipline and holding contractors accountable, hmm. but really members of the battle space of the future. So I'm excited about that. And then finally, we will go to um, full mission capability with the uh, criminal justice information cell here uh, for the department, which is a culmination of uh, uh, a long road since uh, Sutherland Springs um, and the the tragedy there and how far we've come in our ability to index index correctly very quickly Mm -hmm. and now really maximize it as an investigative tool. So a lot. A lot, a lot of exciting times ahead in the next 12 months, uh, General, no <laughs> doubt about that. Absolutely. Uh, normally at this time, as we wind things up, uh, I would ask a guest, is there anything else you'd like to add? And I think uh, at the, before, when we were off, Mike, uh, you wanted to uh, extend acknowledgement of uh, how important this day is, the 21st of December Absolutely. Uh, in, in OSI's uh, history, and I know you wanted to... Uh, well, and, and you know, and, and as we were talking about, I was so glad that we, you know, across our social media, we've, you know, we've started to celebrate the days um, when we have lost our fallen along the way. And of course, today, uh, you know, is, is the fifth anniversary of the biggest one day loss in our command's history mm-hmm. uh, with our heroes that we lost uh, at Bagram. Mm-hmm. Um, They're known as the Hustler Six. Exactly, our, our Hustler Six loss uh, that, that we did, and, and you know, and I love the fact that we just talk about them in that category. We don't talk about agents. We don't talk about defenders. We talk about the six, you know, teammates uh, that we lost that day. So I just didn't want to, you know, have the day passed without uh, without being able to, you know, talk about Adriana, uh, Mike, Pete, Chester, uh, Lou, Joe. Uh, those incredible people that we lost on that very tragic day, um, you know, and um, uh, you know, and to think about how this command rallied, uh, to think about the great leadership that you know General Givens gave us at the time right. uh, when we when we lost those uh, those heroes, uh, the way that uh, the, the command you know collapsed around those families, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and did all we could the. The amazing effort of this leadership team at that time to make sure that we were present at all of those services, at all of those things that happened uh, in the time since, but to you know to honor them. Number one, by remembering them, correct. Uh, yeah. You know, by speaking their names, by uh, talking about the place that they, you know, the place of honor they have on our our Hall of Heroes here at the headquarters. Uh, but then just to be able to extend, uh, you know, a, a continuing um, resolution to their families, that they remain a part of this OSI family. Uh, COVID has kept us from doing the, the memorials each year, the, the you know, remembrance ceremonies, and, and that's heartbreaking for all of us here because we so enjoy, you know, having those families here, opening up the hallway, um, you know, being able to have those dialogue and have that very formal way um, to to reinforce with them that their loved ones are not forgotten and they are not forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we will be doing a, uh, you know, certainly there were remembrances going on throughout uh, the command today, um, uh, which I, I love the fact that in big ways and small, we, we do that on each of these days of remembrance. 
Uh, and then we will be doing a uh, wreath-laying ceremony at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier uh, later on uh, to be able to uh, commemorate all of our fallen, right. but certainly including uh, the Hustler 6 team as well. Right. And of course, uh, uh, the Hustler 6 made it a total of uh, 16 fallen for yes. the, the, the command itself. So uh, our uh, thoughts and prayers obviously go out to uh, their family members uh, as we remember them. On this Absolutely. day, and uh, we will never forget. That's for sure. Absolutely, and then, uh, and then finally, uh, you know, we 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 we've uh, finished where we started, and that's the medal <laughs> of this command and the and the people within it. Um, and I would just want to pass on, you know, a a very um, heartfelt happy holidays uh, to our entire workforce, uh, your families. Uh, the families of those who are deployed and those deployed right now who are going to be spending the holidays downrange, you, you know, as we've all experienced at different points in our careers, um, you know, being away but being with our unit families, um, but, you know, doing our best to stay connected with them. But I could not be more humbled, more proud, more honored uh, of the airmen of this command. And that's, you know, airmen in a big A, every capacity, every corner of this command mm -hmm. for everything we've talked about over the session here. Uh, how amazing uh, that, that all of you have performed, um, you know, in a year that would have been would have been challenging in its own right uh, with with everything going on. But then with everything else, keeping the mission going, taking care of each other. Uh, breathing life into all of these things that we need to be doing uh, while maintaining the core of all of the things we deliver day to day for the Air Force. Um, it's awe-inspiring uh, to have been able to sit here and watch it. Uh, and it just gets me more excited about being able to have a front row seat again next year <laughs> to watch the incredible things that our people will do and this command will do. Our guest has been OSI Commander Brigadier General Terry Bullard. Sir, again, thanks for taking the time to be with us, uh, to squeeze us in on your wall-to-wall uh, -wall schedule. It's great to have you with us. Wayne, thank you again for the time. Thanks for setting this up. And uh, uh, this this was, you, you did very well. You got me through it with no pain whatsoever, <laughs> just as you promised. And uh, I look forward to hopefully maybe being a guest again at some point. No problem, sir. And thank all of you for listening. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now. <laughs>